All right, grab a Bible. We are going to look up a few verses tonight. There's some notes in the front and notes in the back if you need a page of notes to follow along. Um, Communication 101. Don't ever apologize to your audience for your lack of preparation. Okay, so I'm not going to do that. Communication 102. Don't ever apologize to your audience for the topic that you're about to speak about. I'm not going to do that either. Kind of. I'm just going to say to you up front, because I love you, and I want to be honest with you and straight with you, the disciplines that we are talking about tonight, we're going to talk about journaling and reading. They are not commanded in the Bible. I'm not going to have you turn to any verse that says you need to do this. Now, when we talked about Bible reading, Bible intake, we looked at plenty of verses that talk about that has got to be part of your life. When we talked about prayer, when we talked about giving, even when we talked about fasting, we looked at plenty of verses that said these things ought to be part of your life. I'm not going to take you to any passage tonight that says Jesus did these things. Jesus journaled or Jesus read books or scrolls other than than Scripture itself. And I'm not going to take you to any verse that says you must do these things. However, they are spiritual disciplines and they are important spiritual disciplines. And there are some passages that we can piece together and sort of think through critically and, and come away saying it wouldn't be a bad idea for these things to be part of our, our spiritual uh, quest after God. So just one passage to look at quickly before we, we talk about a, a few things by way of introduction. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is the very last letter that Paul wrote. And he wrote it to his protege, Timothy. And at the end of chapter 4, he's just kind of giving him some last instructions, some last sort of words of wisdom, tying up some loose ends on relationship issues. And I just want you to see one of the things he says. Paul's in a prison. He's in a particular prison that you don't leave alive. If you leave this prison, you're going to be executed. That's the only place you leave to, or you die in the prison. So he knows, we talked about this recently, he knows his life and his ministry is over. He knows his days are numbered. But look what he says in 2 Timothy 4.12, or uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy 4.13 He says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Most Bible scholars will say to you that the parchments is reference to Old Testament scriptures. He's saying, I want you to bring some of my copies of the scriptures with you. But he makes a distinction, and he just talks about books. Here's a man at the end of his life. He knows that his days are numbered, and one of the things that he wants to continue to do, even up to the very end of his life, is study and learn and read. Now, does that mean that reading, and we're going to lump in journaling, need to be an integral, regular part of your spiritual life? Not necessarily, but I think you can look at Paul's example and say, well, there's probably something in that, in Paul saying, even to the end, I want to learn and read and study and be thinking that we can emulate and apply to our lives. So, just a word of honesty. We've talked about Bible reading and Bible intake and Bible meditation and Bible memorization. And we've talked about prayer. We've 
talked about all these spiritual disciplines. And a lot of you at this point in the series have had this thought or you're thinking it now. I don't have time for this. I just don't have time for all of this. Maybe I can try to squeeze in some Bible reading. Maybe I can try to squeeze in some prayer while I'm driving or while I'm doing something else. I can multitask. But I'm busy. I'm really, really busy. And I understand busy. Our house feels really busy with four kids, the age that they're in, and school and things going on. So I understand busy. I understand everybody's schedule is a little bit different. Let me just show you some numbers that represent our schedules as Americans. Are you ready for this? Leisure time for men in the United States of America. This would be, according to the study, time when you are not sleeping, eating, or working. Men in the United States. How much time do you have when you're not sleeping, eating, or working? Men have, I don't know why men have more other than That also doesn't surprise me a whole lot. But men have five and a half hours a day of leisure time in our culture. And women have 4.8 hours a day. They're doing all the extra chores that men should be doing, I guess. I don't know. But that's a lot of time. That's a lot of leisure time. Where you're not working, you're not eating, and you're not sleeping. The average American watches 2.7 hours of television a day. And the numbers, I read one study that was really interesting, they go up as you get older. The curve goes up. Now you may be saying, oh, I don't watch that much TV or it's gone down in my life. I know these are just averages and they don't necessarily reflect your life. But I'm just talking typical American adults. You've got a lot of leisure time. We like to fill about half of that leisure time just as Americans with television And the average American spends five hours a day on their phone or on their mobile device. Now, that could be email. That could be Facebook. That could be games. That could be texting. That could be calling. That could be a lot of different things. But that's a lot of time spent on a screen for the average American. There were some other interesting numbers in the studies I looked up. My point in showing you these numbers is just to say, I think you have time. And I think I have time. And the reality is that we make time for what's most important to us. Whether that's Bible reading or whether that's journaling or whether that's prayer or whether that's uh, reading things other than Scripture. We make time for what's important to us. What if you, just to sort of get your mind thinking about these two disciplines. What if you wrote in some sort of journal one page a day of spiritual thoughts? In a year, you would have written a 365-page book. Now, a lot of you would say, I could never write a book. I could never write a 350-page book, and my life depended on it. One page a day, just thoughts about what you were reading in the Bible, what the Lord was teaching you, what was going on in your life. You'd have an entire book in a year. Same thing is true for reading. A lot of you say, I just don't have time. I'm not very good at it. I'm not interested. But if you read a page a day, just a page a day, you could read a pretty fat book in a year. And if you do that every year and you you focus on good books, books of theology and books that help you learn, you could intake a lot, a lot of good material over a year and spreading that out throughout your life. We're going to talk about journaling and reading. 
And just like in the video, he says we've got to check our motivations. Every night we've gone through these disciplines, we've started off saying, what is the discipline? So we need to know what it is. We've talked about how do you do it, just sort of practical things. How do you do these things? And then we've also talked about why should you do it? What is the motivation? What should move you to think about these disciplines? So here we go. We'll start with the what. What are the spiritual disciplines of journaling and reading? The discipline of journaling involves regularly writing down thoughts, questions, prayers, and scripture, all for the purpose of growing closer to God. Thoughts, questions, prayers, scripture. That's not all that you could write down, but I'm just trying to cover a lot of the bases here. And you're doing it all for the purpose of growing closer to God. I have done this in two different ways in my life. I've done this electronically, typing it. And I did it electronically because it was assigned to me in a seminary class to do it. And I had to be turned in electronically. He didn't want to read our chicken scratch. So I had to do it electronically. And I will tell you that in my experience of journaling, doing it electronically is totally different than doing it by hand and writing things down with a pen or a pencil on paper. And I think the main reason is... I can type reasonably fast, and a lot of you can type reasonably, reasonably fast. You can hammer out ideas, and you can sort of rush through it. But writing takes time, and you have to go slow. And you have to think a little bit more than when you're just hammering out ideas on a keyboard. And the reality is most of us don't slow down a whole lot. In our lives, we're busy, busy, busy. We're distracted, 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 and sitting down to write means that you have to sort of push everything out of your brain, focus on what you're doing, think about what you're doing, and slow down. Let's be clear about one thing when we're talking about what is journaling. Not all writing in a diary equates to the spiritual discipline of journaling, right? So there's a lot of people who keep journals or diaries and they write all kinds of different things in it. Just because you're writing something down in a little book with lines on it, doesn't mean you're practicing the spiritual discipline of journaling. And we'll sort of qualify that more as we go. But there's lots of biblical examples of journaling. And I'll just mention a couple here. One is the entire book of Psalms. Like That's a person, David, Asaph, other people, thinking about their relationship with God and writing down their thoughts. And yes, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were inspired by God to write these words. But there's also a human side to that experience where David is sitting down as a shepherd writing Psalm 23, thinking about what his relationship with God is like and how he relates to God. And let's just read it. I know you know it. I know many of you could quote it. But just turn to it in the Bible and read it, thinking about David writing this down pondering these things, reflecting on these things. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a guy sitting out in the field with a bunch of sheep. Thinking about his relationship with God and writing down his thoughts. Now, when you do that, you're not going to be carried along by the Holy Spirit so that whatever you read, we're going to photocopy and slap in the back of our Bibles as the 67th book of the Bible. But you can do the same thing David did. You can do the same thing the psalmist did. And it's not always sort of like warm, fuzzy things. You can turn, look at other psalms. You can look at Psalm 73 that I I put on your list. We won't read it. But Psalm 73 is a guy named Asaph basically wrestling with God really struggling in his relationship with God and writing about it and saying, in effect, I'm kind of ticked at you right now. I really don't understand what you're doing in my life right now. And then coming back at the end to a place of worship and trust. So you see that in the book of Psalms. You see it in the book of Lamentations. The prophet Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. It's just a few chapters. You can read it quickly. And it is basically a raw, honest expression of grief and lament and anger and frustration tempered by faith and worship. And it's just somebody sitting down writing a poem, essentially, thinking about their relationship with God. Look at Deuteronomy 17. I think this is a good example of what would fall in the category of journaling. Deuteronomy 17, verse 18 Sometimes we forget that long before Saul or David came along, God had told his people that they were going to have a king. And in the book of Deuteronomy 17, God's giving instructions about what the king should do. And here's one of the things that the king was supposed to do. Deuteronomy 17, 18. When he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him. And he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. That his heart may not be lifted up among his brothers, above his brothers. That he may not turn aside from the commandment either to the right or to the left so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. You realize the king could have just said like, I'm going to have the scribe write it. I'm just going to use one that's already been written. But part of what God wanted these kings to do is to think through it themselves, to slow down and write it out, to copy it word for word, letter for letter, and to think about it, to practice this discipline of slowing down and writing the words out and thinking about it. So in your journal uh, or your practice of journaling, you may not at all write any of your own thoughts. You may just copy Scripture down. And in copying Scripture, you're slowing down, you're thinking about it, You're trying to grow closer to God. So that's journaling. What about reading? The discipline of reading involves using books to grow in your knowledge about God and your love for God. You've got to have both of those things. If you're just reading as an academic exercise to fill your head with more facts, that's not really the spiritual discipline that we're talking about. But we're talking about reading to know more and to love more. Again, let's be honest. And let's say not all reading qualifies as the spiritual discipline of reading. So we were on a, uh, on a trip this summer. And on that trip, I took a book with me. 
and it was not a Bible book. It was not a Jesus book. It was a fiction book, and it was called Ready Player One. And the premise of the book is about the future. The biggest city in the world is in Ohio, and the world has sort of gone to to hell in a handbasket. It's like an apocalyptic-type theme. And people live, life is so bad, they live in sort of a virtual reality world. And they sort of plug into this sort of experience online, and they live online more than they live in the real world. And there's a contest in video games. Is the dorkiest, nerdiest book you've ever read. Had zero to do with Jesus. Had nothing to do with the Bible. Did not help me grow closer to God. It was not anywhere close to what we're talking about in the spiritual discipline of reading. Okay, So a lot of you say, oh, I love reading. I love reading westerns. Or I love reading romance novels. Or I love reading this. Or I love... It's great to read, but not all reading falls under the category that we're talking about here. We're talking about reading designed and intended to learn more about God and as a result to grow in your love for Him. Just a few examples of this to sort of get your mind thinking. Look at the book of Proverbs, chapter 10. Proverbs 10, verse 14 says, The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. The wise lay up knowledge. And flip over to the right a few pages and look at Proverbs 18, 15. It says, An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Just two verses in the book of Proverbs, you could string dozens of them together that talk about seeking knowledge, acquiring knowledge, laying up knowledge, thinking about things and trying to grow in our understanding. And the book of Proverbs calls us to that. And I think we're fools to just think all I need is me and the Bible. There's some really smart people who have lived before us. And have thought about things in the Bible and wrestled with things in the Bible. And you're going to turn to things in the Bible and say, I don't know what in the world they're talking about. Why is that in there? And what a great thing to learn from people who have wrestled with it and thought about it. People way smarter than me and way smarter than you. And to learn from them. I think the book of Proverbs calls us to that. I put on your outline just in quotes, disciples. We would like to think that we're disciples of Jesus. And at the root, that word means a learner. That's part of what Jesus called us to do is to learn, to be learners. And it's worth asking yourself, what am I learning about God if I'm a disciple? What am I learning about Jesus? When's the last time you learned something new of significance about God that changed the way you thought about Him or changed the way that you experienced your relationship with Him or changed the way that you worshipped Him? If you think you've got it all figured out, My fear is you just don't know how much you don't know. And you've got a whole lot more to figure out. Look at these verses. We'll look at a few more. Mark chapter 12. This is a verse you're familiar with. Mark 12 verse 30 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
and with all your strength. And I think sometimes when we read that verse, we just think, like, I just need to sort of gumption up more emotion and feeling for Jesus. But part of what he's calling us to is to love him with our minds and to be people who think and people who, who run new ideas in and out of our brain. And we love God with our mind. Romans 12 says uh, part of your worship is renewing your mind according to the truth. And we already read 2 Timothy 4. So that's a good summary of the spiritual discipline of reading. How do you do it? Let me give you some thoughts on how to do it. Talk about journaling. As you journal, write down your prayer requests and even your actual prayers. One of the things we talked about when we talked about the spiritual discipline of prayer is that it's hard for most of us. We lose focus easily. We get distracted easily. We get the yawns easily. We fall asleep easily. We just sort of have a hard time focusing about one thing and talking to God about that for any prolonged amount of time. And the practice of writing your prayer down, at least for me, is incredibly helpful. To just be focused for five minutes and not to be thinking about anything else because I'm physically and mentally engaged in what I'm doing in writing my prayer down. And as you write it down, you're praying it and you're thinking about it. As you journal, write down Bible verses, word for word. talked about this a minute ago. And I think one of the things that many of us, if we were honest, we would admit that we struggle with meditating on Scripture. How do you do that? How do you actually sit and think about a single Bible verse without being distracted or bored or moving on or just sort of daydreaming? And writing it out is a great way to do that. I think that's part of what God was calling these kings to do. I want you to meditate on it. Slow down and think about every single word. And a great way to do that is just to write it out. So if you look in my journal, the one that I keep in, my, in the, the desk drawer in my office, you open it up, most of what's in there are prayers and Bible verses. Every now and then I'll throw in you know, thoughts or this is what I'm wrestling with, or this is what I'm thinking about, or this is what's going on. But I don't do that a whole lot. Most of all it's just prayers. This is what I'm praying about. And this is a Bible verse. And I'll be straight with you. About uh, 10 years ago, the first time I read Don Whitney's, Donald Whitney's book called The Spiritual Disciplines. We've seen several videos from Dr. Whitney. Older guy with the gray beard, really neatly trimmed. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed in the videos, but he has one whisker like sticking over into his mouth. And it drives me crazy when we watch it. I'm like, you know they filmed them all on the same day because that whisker's there in all the videos just sticking over in his mouth. Anyways, I read his book and he has a whole chapter on journaling. And I read it and I thought, that's about the dumbest girliest thing I've ever read in my life. There is no way I'm doing that. That is ridiculous and just silly. And then I took a class at seminary, and we had to do it. We're forced to do it, and I did it a little bit, and went back and read the book and thought about it some more, and it helps me in an incredible amount when it comes to prayer and meditating on Scripture to just write things down and to think about them as I'm writing them down. And I actually, when we lived in Louisville, uh, I was in a men's Bible study. And this was before Dr. Whitney taught at the school I was, I was at. Um, he came to visit. It was actually his visit sort of in view of a call to be a professor there. We didn't know that at the time. But he came to visit. And he came to our guy's small group, Bible study. 
just about 10 guys, and he came in, and he just sort of talked with us about spiritual disciplines. And I just, in the conversation, I said, I'll be honest with you. I read your book, and I thought that chapter on journaling was so dumb. It was the worst, and I thought it was just cheesy and womanly, and I was too proud to do it. And then I did it, and it helps me more than anything else in the book. It was the most helpful thing in the whole book to my practice of spiritual discipline. So something for you to think about. Writing down your prayers, writing down Bible verses. Now let's talk about reading. How do you do it? Before you start, you've got to admit that most Christian books, quote-unquote Christian books, are not worth your time. And I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, and I'm not going to name any books by name. But let's just sort of speak in generalities, okay? Christian fiction. I don't care if you read it. I'm not knocking it. I'm not telling you not to read it. I'm not telling you it's dangerous. I'm just telling you it really doesn't fit into what we're talking about. Really does not connect with the spiritual discipline of reading to learn more about God and to love him more. It's fine to do it. It's just really not what we're driving at here. Christian devotional books, and by devotional books, I'm talking about the little books where it's sort of like one or two paragraphs of a thought with a Bible verse and italics at the top and a nice little picture somewhere on the page, and it has a date or something, and you just go through and you read one a day. Mostly worthless. Most are not worth the paper they're printed on. Not going to help you really grow closer to God at all because many of them, not all, but many of them, they just sort of... They tack a verse at the top, then they tell a little cheeky sort of silly story about something, and then they give you like one little thought to pray, and most of it is just so shallow, and it's not going to help you grow. It's not going to challenge you, and most of us, if we're honest, most of the people who use books like that, I know this because I've talked to people about this a lot, and they, they admit it to me, most of the people who use books like that use those books in place of Bible which totally misses where we started in this whole study, saying Bible intake is the one you cannot afford to miss. You can afford to miss reading. You can live without it. You can just stick with the Bible. But you can't do reading and leave the Bible out. You can't do, well, I have a nice devotion book and I read a paragraph a day in my devotion book and leave the Bible out. You've got to have Bible. Um, Bestsellers at the Christian bookstore. Mostly worthless. Just not all of them are worthless, but most of them just worthless. If you're wanting something that's going to help you in the spiritual discipline of reading, I'm just telling you, in most Christian bookstores, the stuff you find up on the front with, you know, 8,000 copies of it and big, bright, colorful displays, you just go right past that to the back corner of the store. And you're looking for something different. You're not looking for that kind of stuff. Um. Some of you are listening to this, and in the back of your mind, what you're still thinking is, I just don't like reading. I just don't like it. And you're making it sound like I need to do this to be a good Christian, and I just don't like reading. It's hard for me. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. It's too much that i got to sit down and read my Bible. Reading something else is just out the window. So let me mention this. Those who struggle with reading can still learn through podcasts, blogs, sermons, audiobooks, etc. The real discipline we're talking about here is learning. Reading is a primary way in a literate culture like ours, Western culture, that we learn things. 
but there's some great resources you can listen to, you can watch, uh, you can be connected to that will help you learn. And there's a lot of junk. You can't just get online and start Googling stuff and assume that anything you pull up when you Google Jesus is going to be worth your time or going to be helpful to you. But there are some great resources out there, and technology can be a great help because with technology, you can get stuff sent to you automatically in your email, links that you can follow, podcasts you can listen to, videos that you can watch, like some of the ones we've been watching on Wednesday nights. So learning is the real, the real discipline we're talking about. Last thought on how you practice it, consider reading with a group. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The book of Proverbs says from beginning to end that the fool thinks they've got it all figured out, but the wise person listens to other people and learns from other people. The leadership of our church does this. We sit down, our staff does it as part of our staff meetings, and our elders do it when we meet together, and we read books, and we come together and we talk about them. And we never let it turn into like a roundtable discussion where you go around and you say, well, what this means to me is da-da-da-da-da, has nothing to do with what you read. Well, that's nice, but what it means to me is something totally different. But you talk with each other, and you throw out ideas. And sometimes, you know, you kind of got to have your big boy pants on. Sometimes you'll say something, and someone will say, oh, you, that is not, no, that's not right. No, wrong, eh. You are totally off track. You are not even in the ballpark. But as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And sometimes I and you need to have somebody say to us, that's wacko. Get that idea out of your head. You don't need to be thinking that direction. You need to be thinking this direction. Why should you do it? What's the motivation? We'll go through these quick. Journaling can be a great aid to prayer and meditation, and we've talked about that already. A great aid to prayer and meditation, helping you focus. The biblical idea of meditation is not empty your mind and reach some sort of zen state. The biblical view of meditation is fill your mind with the truth, and writing things down can help you to do that. Journaling can be a helpful means of self-examination. Self-examination. I never want to. Uh, for, I never want our church to be this way. I never want to be this way. I never want us to have the mindset of back in the good old days, like the good old days were perfect and things are terrible now. Um, we're reading a book as a staff, and it was written a long time ago. And the guy is living in a period of time that most of us would look back on as sort of a golden age. Ah, oh, it was so much better back then. And in his writing, he's saying, things are terrible today. They're worse than they've ever been. I wish we could go back to the good old days. And you find that in history. Wherever you think the good old days are, if you went back there, the people living then would say, no, the good old days are further back. You've got to keep going back. So I don't want to have that, that mindset. I do want to acknowledge that in our culture, we've talked about this in silence and solitude. We are so bombarded with media and we're so connected via technology that we rarely slow down to think about our hearts. So my guess is if you and I set up a lunch meeting 
And I looked across the table at you mid, you know, mid-bite and said, how's your soul? You would probably say, I need to use the restroom, I'll be right back. <laughs> or pretend like you were choking on your salad, or I don't know. Like, if somebody just genuinely looked at you and said, how's, how's your soul? Well, I don't know that most of us would have anything to say to that. I don't know when the last time I thought about my soul was, to be honest with you. I mean, we're just so busy. We're so connected. We run from one thing to another without ever slowing down. And an interesting thing to look at is when you read old books, guys who died a long time ago, they talk about the condition of your soul. How's your soul? And they weren't as connected as we are. They didn't have as many distractions as we had today. And in life, not that it was a golden age, but in their experience of life, they had time to just sit and reflect and to think. How is my relationship with God? I hope that you think about that when you come to church. You know, when we're singing, when you're listening to preaching. But I hope about, I hope that that uh, in your normal day-to-day life, there's some built-in time where you just stop and you don't do anything else but think about that. And journaling can help you do that, just to be still and to think about how your soul is. And here's an amazing thing. You can take your journal, if you've written down prayers, scriptures that stood out to you, thoughts, and you can go back a few months or you can go back a couple of years and you can read the things that were on your mind and you can see wow, I was really worried about that. Like, that thing consumed me. I just, that was the one thing I just couldn't think, think about or see anything else in life. It was just, it was everything. And a few months later or a year later, it's not that big a deal. And you can look back on that and learn from your own experience spiritually. So it can help you with, with self-examination. Journaling is a valuable way to remember what God has done in your life. Look at Psalm 77. Psalm 77, verse 11 and 12. Say, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Part of our relationship with God involves remembering. And for the believer, for you and I, that involves remembering what he's done, what's been revealed in Scripture. But it also means remembering what he's done in our lives. Looking back and thinking about his faithfulness to us and his provision for us and his care for us. And I don't know about you guys, but I forget way more than I'd like to. Brooke and I have experienced this lately just as parents. Um, I say lately meaning since we've been parents. And one of our kids will do something or say something. And when it happens, you think, I'm going to remember that forever. I'm going to remember how they used to say a certain word or how they used to, to laugh at a certain thing or do a certain thing. And then, you know, life goes on and you get busy and you don't think about some of that stuff. And you get down the road and we have these conversations where I'll say, hey, do you remember when, you remember when Emma used to, you know, do this or say this? And she'll look at me like, 
No. Usually it's the other way around. Usually Brooke remembers better than I do, and she says, hey, do you remember, you remember this? Or we'll see an old picture, and she'll say, hey, do you remember this? This is what we were doing, and I, I don't remember. I thought I would, but I don't. And it's exactly the same way in our relationship with God. You have moments in your relationship with God that are so real and so raw and so intense that in the moment you think, I'm going to remember this forever. But the reality is time goes by and you forget and you get busy and you don't think about those moments and you fail to do what Psalm 77 is calling us to do, which is to remember the deeds of the Lord. And so just thinking about this lesson, I went back in, my, uh, in the journal I keep and I went back to the fall of 2013. We still lived in Oklahoma and I just sort of was flipping through uh, I was actually looking for the, the day, the one day that I made a note in there and said, uh, I got an email from some weird guy named Chris Harrington in Odessa. I don't know what this guy's about, but I was looking for that. But I was looking at some of the stuff that I had written and prayed leading up to that. And then looking at how things worked out for us to come here and how God answered some of those prayers. And even today I thought, I, I forget I forget that these were things that were on my heart that I was praying about, that I was asking God about, that then came to pass. Like God answered those prayers. And how rarely we stop to look back on those things and to just acknowledge, God, you were faithful in that. And I just look back and remember that you were faithful in that time. I know that you'll be faithful in this time as well. So journaling is a great way to remember what God has done in your life. One last thought, reading is one of the primary ways we learn truth about God. And I gave you John chapter 4, talks about Jesus and the woman at the well in Samaria. And Jesus says to her, the Samaritans worship in ignorance. They worship what they don't even know. They They don't know what they don't know. They're misguided. They're wrong. They're on the wrong track here. And uh, learning is one of the ways that, that we correct that. We listen to people who have come before us and thought about the Bible and wrestled with things, and we learn from them, and uh, we're instructed by them. Uh, so reading is one of the primary ways that we learn and, and we grow in knowledge. So there's a few thoughts about journaling and reading. You don't have to do them. That doesn't mean they're not important, but you don't have to do them. You can be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ without doing those things. But I think you'll find, as many have found, that doing those things helps you in some of the other spiritual disciplines and helps you in, uh, in your relationship with the Lord.